0: This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all others that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except you be reprobate. I trust you shall know that. We are not unbelievers. We are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest. Though we be looked upon by some as being reprobates, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong, and this also we wish even your perfection.
1: Welcome to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living The Lord Jesus said to them, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault and private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Matthew chapter eighteen verses fifteen through twenty. Well, Doctor Mitchell concludes Second Corinthians study in chapter thirteen today. Here is Doctor Mitchell.
0: Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we're coming to the last chapter of the second book of Paul to the Corinthian church. I am sure that the Lord has blessed some of your hearts in the studies of First and Second Corinthians. I've been so blessed in my own heart in the study of it that I. I would be tempted to go back all over it again from First Corinthians on through. I'm so glad the Spirit of God put it in the heart of Paul to write these letters because it gives to us not only uh, an idea of how the early church was, the different churches, but also how God meets every need. And the great desire of his heart is that God's people should be occupied with him. All the way through, you remember, he's been talking about the comfort of the Scriptures. of how God comforted him, Paul, in all his afflictions and all his persecutions and so on. Thank God he's the God of all comfort. And he's sufficient for every need, your need and my need. Now, the apostle has been talking, giving his final word concerning his coming to them. In chapters 12, 14, down through chapter 13, verse 10. And we were finishing in our last lesson, the end of chapter 12, of how the Apostle Paul told them how much he loved them, even though though they loved him less than they did before. He still loved them. His love was still a fervent love for them, and his great desire was for their edification. And he feared when he came to them that he would find things not as they should be, as you find in the last two verses, where there was squabbling and possibly The key of that was there were these leaders who came in who were opposed to the Apostle Paul and who were upsetting the church at Corinth. You remember in chapter 15, he could say in verse 34, Wake to righteousness and sin not, for many have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Instead of fighting among themselves, they should have been witnessing for the Savior in that wicked city of Corinth. And many had not the knowledge of God, and he was ashamed of them. I wonder what Paul would say today to the Christian church in America. After having had the word of God, the gospel for these many, many years, here our nation built, built and based on the word of God and how far are we going away from the scriptures. False teachers have come in and have disrupted the work of God and have disrupted the life of God's people. And so today we have a permissive society. The Word of God has no more place in their hearts and lives. And If ever we prayed for, prayed for America, we should pray for it these days. I'm telling you, my friend, we're living in a time when we need to lay hold of God for our country, for our leaders. One of these days, the Lord is going to come, take His people away, Then you'll know what the world looks like. Then you'll see the world in its rawness, in its opposition to God. So I just pray that you and I as God's people will go on with God. Read and reread the Word of God, never neglect it, and ever be occupied with the person of our wonderful Savior. Now in chapter 13, we're following along his final word. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before, and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all others, that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not. Don't you know among your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except you be reprobate, except you be unbelievers. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates, unbelievers, so on. Let me just stop here for a moment or two. Here he has just been warning them in the preceding verses in chapter 12. He didn't want to come down there and see them in this condition. And you have that condition in verses 20 and 21. But when he comes, he's going to judge by the mouth of two or three witnesses. It's not going to take one person's word for it. And when he found out the truth was, he would not spare them. And then he gives us a contrast in verses 3 and 4 between weakness and strength. You seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you would is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. And he goes on about we being weak, we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Just a word here. Our Lord was crucified in weakness, he was raised from the dead in power, He seated at the right hand of God, having all authority in heaven and in earth, crucified in weakness. Yes, he became a man in the midst of men. He took his place in the human family. And when you come down to, to the gospel through Luke, you remember where he's a man in the midst of men. When you come to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he cried with strong crying and tears unto him who was able to deliver him out of death. He was heard. Resurrection was the answer. But he sweat, as it were, drops of blood. He was crucified in weakness. He gave himself up to them. One is very much tempted to go to the book of Isaiah. Do you remember? Those great chapters in Isaiah, chapter 50, the end of 52, chapter 53, or the 22nd Psalm, the 69th Psalm, If you take those five passages, I gave my back to the smiters. I gave my cheeks to those who plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame or spitting. His face was marred more than any man's. He was the song of the drunkard. And he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was crucified in weakness. Why did he do it? Because he loved you. Because he loved me. Herein is love not that we love God, we love because he loved us, sent his only begotten son into the world. What for? To redeem you, to put away your sin. And God raised him from the dead and exalted him to his own right hand. As Acts chapter 5 says, to be a prince and a savior. My, how wonderful. Now, says Paul, I'm in weakness too. I'm in a man in the midst of men like my savior. Weak but toward you, power, the power of God toward you. What a need for us today to be in that place. We recognize our weakness, but experience the power of God. That's why Paul so often talks about us praying. For example, Ephesians 1:19, he prayed, we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us with who believe. What power? What power? the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principalities and powers and so on. say St. Colossians 1.29, I strive according to the working of him who worketh in me mightily, mightily. Ah, yes. Though our Lord was crucified in weakness, he liveth by the power of God. Paul says that's exactly with us. We too are in weakness but we live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves. See if you're really in the face. See if you really believe us. Prove your own selves. No, you're not. Don't you know how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate, except you be unbelievers? Christ in you? And are you living like that 20th and 21st verse of chapter 12 fighting among yourselves, jealousy, fighting, backbiting, whisperings, tumults. If Christ is in you, then let him live out through you. May I say very frankly, my friend, the world will never see what Jesus is except through you and me. This is what you have over in the book of John, chapter 14, when our Lord said, you also, or in John, chapter 17, As my Father has sent me into the world, I'm going to send you into the world. I came into the world on a mission. I'm sending you into the world on a mission. What for? The revelation of Christ to men. The one who saves from sin and fits men for the presence of God. The one who gives eternal life to everyone who comes to him. But there must be this relationship. That's what he is saying. There are those among you I question if Christ is in them. I question whether they're real believers, whether they've had a real relationship with the Savior. Don't you know that if Christ is in you, unless you be reprobate, unless you be unbelievers? It's true in the local churches. There are those who make a profession of salvation, have had no real relationship with the Savior. And I would plead with you, Today, if you've never had a real relationship with Christ, then don't go another minute. For he's still saying to you, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. To as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's what God wants. If Christ is in you, How should you act? How should you act? That's what he's talking about. But I trust, verse 6, I trust that you shall know that we are not unbelievers. We are not reprobates. Now, I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be looked upon by some as being reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth, Oh, what a verse. We can do nothing against the truth. He is the truth. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. For 1,900 years, the critics have tried to dethrone Christ. They've tried to throw the Bible out they fought against the truth. And every generation of critics goes on, comes on and goes off the scene. And the word of God continues on. And when our present generation of critics have gone off the scene, the book will still be here. The truth of God will still be here. My friend, it's God's truth. And no man on earth or group of men can... Be opposed to the truth and get rid of the truth. for you can't do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I want you to mark that. I'm living in a day and you are living in a day when there are great movements against the Word of God, even among some evangelicals. There are those who will oppose, pull it to pieces, the Word of God. And when they've gone off the scene, my friend, the book will still be here. God will take care of his own truth. If God has given a revelation to men concerning himself and concerning the plan of redemption, you can be sure of one thing, the Lord will take care of his own revelation. He'll take care of his own truth, for he is truth. When the world passes away, the truth will still be in the universe. He is the truth. Oh, how glad I am that the Spirit of God has come to lead us and to guide us into all truth. I'm quoting from John 16. And our Lord says, when he has come, the Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. He'll take the things of mine and show them unto you. And he will show you things to come. So, my friend, you don't have to defend it. It needs no defense. It's God's word. God will take care of his own truth. Just like the disciples in the book of Acts, they never tried to defend the resurrection of Christ. Now I'm talking about the physical resurrection of Christ. There's no resurrection apart from physical. Our Lord delivered his spirit to his father. His body was put in the tomb. It was the body that was raised from the dead. In the book of Acts, nearly 30 times the disciples talk about the resurrection of Christ. They never once try to prove it. They proclaim that, the guarantee of the salvation we have in Christ. We're just as sure that we'll never again see our sins as we are, that Christ was raised from the dead. You can't go against the truth, my friend. The truth will still be here. Even when you're gone, the truth will still be here. For we are glad when we are weak, says Paul, and you are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. He's still hungry for these people, even though Paul be debased and persecuted and cast out. I still want you to be edified and built up in Christ. I yearn for your perfection. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. May I read again verse 19 of the preceding chapter, chapter 12. Again, thank you that we excuse ourselves to you. We speak before God in Christ, for we do all things dearly beloved, for your edifying, for your edification. In verse 10 of chapter 13, the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, now we have his benediction. Final words. Finally, brethren, farewell. Oh, praise the Lord. Be perfect. That is, go on into full growth, to maturity. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. May I, may I read a verse from the, the last chapter of First Corinthians when he said to the same people, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong at all things you do, do it with love. Notice this, the great yearning of Paul for these Christians. He feared when he came to them he'd find them not the way they should be. And yet he closes his words, be perfect, keep on growing in the grace of God. Instead of being babies tossed about by every wind of doctrine, become mature men and women in Christ. Be of, that's a growth, by the way. That's not a, an act once for all. This is a growth in Christian experience. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. <laughs> First chapter full of what? Comfort. How God is able to comfort them and comfort Paul. How he says be of good comfort. Be of, good comfort. Be of one mind. And if you're of one mind... You live in peace. If you're not of one mind, then you've got confusion. You see, again, I come back to it. When God's people in an assembly is occupied with the person of Christ to glorify him, to talk about him, to feed on him, to love him, they're devoted to him, they magnify him, what have you got? Perfect peace in the assembly. But when Christ is not the center of attraction, not the center of your affection and devotion, then you've got troubles. Then you've got jealousies and envies and strife. See what I'm pleading for, not only in your own individual life, but in your assembly. Paul says, be of one mind. Be at peace. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. I'm tempted here to put in that last verse of chapter, chapter fifteen of 1 Corinthians, verse 58. You remember? Therefore, be steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be of one mind. How can the, how can the gospel go out to the unsaved? How can God's people be usable? They've got to be occupied with the person of our Savior. He must be the object. I may not know very much of the Word of God, but if Christ is the center of my affection and devotion, of your affection and devotion, then you become a usable vessel in the hands of the Lord and reaching people. Say, Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And notice, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. The God of love and peace shall be with you. My, how I'd like to spend time there. You remember, he's the God of peace. You find in Romans chapter 15 and chapter 16, the God of peace. You have it in Hebrews 13, 20. Uh, The God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, make you perfect. Thessalonians 5, 23, now the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole being, spirit, soul, body, be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, and the God of peace shall be with you. And then, you know, he's called the God of hope. in you know, wonderful. In Romans 15, 13, do you remember it? Now the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope through the power of, of the Holy Spirit. And here Peter speaks in the fifth chapter of First Peter, the tenth verse, and now the God of all grace. What will he do? He'll perfect you. He's the God of patience in Romans 15. One could go on. The names that we have concerning God. Yeah you have it, and the God of love and of peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know what to say about that except to say this, in your greeting of others, be genuine. Don't, don't greet someone with a, as if you love them a great deal and then backbite them afterwards or say some nasty thing afterwards about them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Be genuine in your greetings one with another. That, of course, is just, just follows right along with the verse 11. Be of good comfort, be of one mind, live at peace and the god of love and peace shall be with you and greet one another with a holy kiss all the saints salute you and then you have this wonderful benediction the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all my what a what a benediction the grace of the lord jesus christ he's the one who died to redeem you and me out of all iniquity, purified to himself a people for his possession, and the love of God. One can think of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Behind all this wonderful plan of redemption is the love of God. And then, and the communion, the fellowship of the Spirit of God, who indwells every believer for what purpose? To glorify and magnify our Lord in our lives. So I just, again, read that verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Read Second Corinthians over again. And may the Lord edify you and may you be filled with the love for the one who gave all for you, even our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you today and fill you with all joy and peace in believing, for His precious name's sake.
1: He'll be the same tomorrow as He was and is. You know He is today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Why we a town.